Hey, it's Damon Davis here, and I'm back for season 11 of the Who Am I Really podcast. It's going to be another moving season of open, heartfelt discussions about the adoption experience from people from all walks of life. But before we get to the season, I want to update you on my own journey. Some of you may know that I lost my adoptive mother, Veronica, on Friday, September 2nd, 2022. It was the end of a long road for her as mental illness had taken such a toll on both her mind and her body. To take you back for some context, you may remember a few seasons ago, I updated you on a very rough time in Veronica's life. Unfortunately, she had suffered the effects of dementia and paranoid schizophrenia so much that she moved away from me and my family here in Maryland without telling us she was relocating to Missouri, where she was born and raised. Unfortunately, after she moved, she had some episodes of confusion, which led to interventions from the authorities and got her temporarily institutionalized and stabilized. Then, Veronica was released under her own recognizance. It was after her release, while she was still medicated, that she started to feel better and subsequently stopped taking her meds and, of course, relapsed back into the darkness. One day, I got a call from one of mom's neighbors to say that he hadn't seen her in a few days and there was a note on her front door. Upon further investigation, I found out that mom's home had been sold on the auction block because she hadn't been paying the mortgage. I spoke with the new homeowner who was incredibly kind to me even before I assured him I would do my very best to get mom out of his home as soon as possible. In an unfortunate coincidence, all of that was happening at the same time as my father-in-law's transition from this life at his home in the Caribbean. When I learned about mom's dire situation, my wife Michelle and I were already making plans to travel to St. Vincent and the Grenadines to help celebrate her father's life. Michelle flew home from a work trip in Los Angeles, packed a bag, and we flew out the next day for St. Vincent. Immediately upon our return to the States, I flew directly to Missouri to handle business with my mother. When I arrived, I wasn't able to convince her to leave her home, so we had to call the local authorities. The ambulance workers and the police quickly assessed that Veronica was not of sound mind, but they were not able to convince her to vacate peacefully either. I witnessed one of the most challenging things I've ever endured with my family as I watched my mother be forcibly removed from her home strapped to a gurney as she screamed, kicked, and cussed at the authorities. They wheeled her out to the ambulance and took her away. In the following days, an army of family and friends helped me remove everything from her house and put it in storage. It was a sad ride in her luxurious Lexus as I drove it back to the dealership to be turned in for non-payment on the lease. The new owner of her home in his infinite kindness picked me up from the dealership and drove me back to her house. It was an extremely rough time that clearly marked the beginning of the end for mom. All of this happened in the early part of 2020, and the COVID pandemic had taken over the United States, and my mother was without a home. After a brief institutionalization, she was released again, so she lived in hotel rooms. In the dead of winter, she tried everything she could to get back to her house, even though it was no longer hers. She walked miles in the cold, bummed rides from strangers, and rented a vehicle for herself in the fight to get back. Finally, in the midst of COVID and with the help of several people who know the Missouri mental health space, we were able to get mom a bed in a facility. She lived there for two years, her mind and her body following. Near the end, 
I made frequent trips to be with Veronica at her bedside. Reflecting on the whole thing, I've had some valuable confidants who have supported me. Michelle and my son Seth have been really supportive. My Aunt Bonnie, Veronica's only remaining sister of four, has been there every step. But you know who's been an unexpected pillar of support? My birth father, Bill. You may remember I found Bill completely by accident through Ancestry DNA. I wasn't even looking for him, but because my mother-in-law is adopted, our family wanted to know more about her, and we all did DNA tests, and Bill popped up. Ever since I told Bill about Mom's demise, he asked about her every time we talked. Sometimes I would admit to him that it was hard to call Mom because she wasn't really there. We had no real conversation, and sometimes she didn't even come to the phone. Bill would say on every call, do it anyway. Do it anyway. His voice would echo in my mind, and I would call mom to check in, not expecting much, but knowing I was trying against all odds to remain in touch. At the end of one of my first several trips to see mom, I arrived early at the airport before I had to return my rental car. I stopped on a side road at the Kansas City airport to watch the planes land, and with the extra time, I called Bill to check in and share updates. The next time I flew to Missouri, I took Seth to visit with mom. Veronica and Seth hadn't seen one another since he was only a few months old and his little body could still fit in her hands. When we walked into that nursing home, I entered with a 14-year-old boy, only an inch shorter than me, on his way to young adulthood, destined to be bigger and better than me in every way. When we walked in, I told mom that I brought someone to see her. Sitting in her wheelchair, she turned her head full of white hair slowly towards Seth and looked up at him. He took off his COVID protection mask and smiled happily at her. I asked her, Mom, do you know who that is? She looked up at me slowly and said, That's Seth. My heart melted. Paranoid schizophrenia and dementia had taken so much from my mother, but she was still able to pull it together and remember her grandson. He and I were blown away. We visited with her twice, once by ourselves and once with Bonnie. When we left, Seth and I dropped the top on the Mustang I rented and I pushed the accelerator to the floor on the way to the airport. We arrived early and again, I called Bill as Seth and I sat and watched planes take off and land. Before my final visit, the nurses at mom's nursing home were honest and said it was time to consider hospice care. They explained that people living with dementia lose basic functions when their brains stop working efficiently. At mealtimes, mom was putting food in her mouth, but would stop chewing and wouldn't swallow. She was unable to take herself to the bathroom and couldn't express when she had to go. Mom was losing weight, her blood pressure was fluctuating, and they were seeing signs of the end. At the end of this past summer, I made my final trip to sit by mom's bed. On the plane from Los Angeles to Missouri, I wrote a social media post about how weird it was to know that I was flying to see mom, knowing the sole purpose of that trip was to say goodbye. The experience was completely different from when my birth mother Anne died in 2014 and my adoptive father Willie died in 2016. Both of them had passed unexpectedly and I didn't know the last time I saw them was the last moment we would spend together. On this trip to see Veronica, I knew it was the end. I told the nurses before my trip to let her know I was coming so that she would hold on if she had the strength. 
When I arrived, I sat by mom's bed and stroked her hair. I told her I loved her and she was a good mom. I acknowledged that she must be tired and that if she felt like it was time to get rest, it was okay. I let her know I would be fine. I told mom I love her. Sometimes when someone's near the end, they are waiting for a loved one to show up, and I thought perhaps when I told mom goodbye a few days later, she would let go. One friend told me I should stay to be with her at the end. I thought about it, and I realized mom was going to go when she was ready. Whether I was at her bedside or back at home, she would go when it was her time. After I got home, I checked my phone frequently, looking for the call. Every time the phone rang, I thought, this is it. Remarkably, the call never came. Minute after minute, hour after hour, and for several days, the call never came. I told Bonnie, mom is either really strong or very stubborn. Bonnie quipped, it was probably a bit of both. The hospice nurse said a couple of times a year, she gets a patient that holds on way longer than expected, and even she was anticipating the call that never came. We were astonished. On Friday, September 2nd, I worked from home, and after an emotionally trying week, I took a nap on the couch. I was awakened by my phone ringing, and it was the nursing home. Veronica Faye Anderson was gone. I was sad and relieved to finally get the news. Mom was no longer hearing voices in her head, struggling to live in her reality and ours, and my long journey as a loving caregiver was over. I cried, but I was fine. They were tears that marked the end of my mother's life on this earth. It was a definitive moment that I had anticipated, but I never could have considered myself prepared for. I got a lot of love from my family, my friends, and this community in the aftermath, and I can't thank you enough for supporting me through our family's loss. I will press on with the strength that my mother instilled in me as a single mom raising her son. And I will press on with only one parental figure left in my life, my birth father Bill, a man who didn't even know I existed, but who has been a great supporter on this piece of my journey. The weird irony of adoption reunion is, you get connected to all these new people, more parents, uncles, aunts, and cousins. But then, in the end, that's more people you will also have to be prepared to lose. Thanks for listening, and I wish all of you the absolute best in your life's journey through adoption and reunion. The Who Am I Really podcast will be back with new guests sharing their stories. Until then, all the best. All the best.